Hi, this is Matthew Bellasario, and welcome to this podcast. And this is the second part of a series called The State of Grace. In the first podcast, I uh, discussed what I refer to as the quote-unquote problem. And of course, as I explained in the first podcast, we're looking at things that are external to us. And of course, as I said and acknowledged in the first part, that we are indeed living in a very, very unique time in history where we have a great inversion of reality and we see the culture crumbling around us. And then we kind of looked at the underlying cause of, of this, uh, of what's going on in our culture and in the church, and we kind of uh, drew a conclusion that it's because Catholics are not living the faith. And so in this particular podcast, part two, it's going to be proposing a solution on the importance of the interior life, which is something that is gravely needed now. Um, in the first part, I talked about the difference between actual external works and interior works. And so we must, before we even think about doing external works, we really need to have a foundation um, to uh, support those exterior works. And so this is the importance of the interior life. And so this is part two. Pope Pius X asked a group of priests the following question. He said, what is the thing we need most today to save society? Build Catholic schools, said one priest. Pope Pius X says, no. More churches we need to build, said another. Still no, the Pope replied. Speed up the recruiting of priests, said a third. No, no, says Pope Pius X. The most necessary thing of all time, or of all at this time, is for every parish to possess a group of laymen who will be at the same time virtuous, enlightened, resolute, and truly apostolic. That was the Pope's response, and I think that that response still applies today. We need lay people who will be virtuous, enlightened, resolute, and truly apostolic. Now, what does this mean? This all comes back to what I was talking about, the interior life of our life in prayer, our relationship with God. And this is a real relationship. This is not an idea of, this is not a, a, a looking at a dry set of doctrines written down on a piece of paper. This is a big mistake that we see today of people talking about this rigidity and, and how doctrine shouldn't uh, control everything that we do today. But People who say this mistake misunderstand what doctrine is. Doctrine is for us to come closer to God. And it is not a dry set of rules. Doctrine is the teaching of Jesus Christ on how we develop a close relationship to Christ. And so these two cannot be separated. Doctrine and how we live are closely related together. And so as we see a lot of things going on in the church today, especially the whole synod for the family and things like that. We have this Casper proposal, which is preposterous, uh, how he speaks out of both sides of his mouth and says, we're not going to change doctrine, but yet we're going to practice and act as if doctrine doesn't exist, is what he's really saying. I'm not going to go into too much detail on the whole on that this whole synod, and we're going to see how it plays out. 
But most importantly, the way things are going today, if we do not have a strong spiritual life, a strong relationship with Christ, if we don't spend an immense amount of time in prayer, do what our Lord has asked and what our Lady has asked, we're going to be in trouble. So this, this solution that I'm proposing may kind of sound cliche, but really it is um, what most of us probably aren't doing enough of, and that's prayer. Over the past 100 years or so, Our Lady has been very vocal in trying to get our attention as to what we should do in answer to our dire times. And unfortunately, few have listened to what she has told us and have instead gone about with their own plans. We often ask each other how we can combat all the vice in the world. We want to know how we can, uh, we come up with plans and ideas of how we can infiltrate organizations like the liberals have done. Uh, get back in the government and, and, and figure out all these clever ways that we're going to kind of take back society. But this is really a worldly way of thinking. Our Lady's simple solution, she asks for prayer, reparation, repentance, sacrifice, and the abandonment of sin. So let me go through those once again and reiterate. She asks for prayer, reparation for sins, repentance, turning away from sin, sacrifice, the abandonment of sin. If you notice, Our Lady is very clear. These four things are what we must do if we want to do it God's way and not our own. Notice Our Lady did not say it's most important for us to hold more fundraisers to counter the global elite who seek to destroy the church. She did not say we should use the tactics of the liberals to infiltrate and take over governments. She obviously knows better than we do that there are organizations and governments seeking to destroy the church. Yet, what has she repeatedly asked us to do? She asks us for prayer and for the abandonment of sin, because this is what needs to be done uh, if we're if God's will is going to be done. It's not going to come through our own efforts to raise more money for our cause. Uh, yes, Our Lady could use some of these efforts to accomplish something useful, but what is most important is the prayer in the interior life if we're going to engage in these types of works, if they're indeed something that God calls us to do. So we must first engage in prayer, reparation, repentance, sacrifice, and the abandonment of sin. This is readily apparent in her messages at Fatima and other, other apparitions that have been approved by the church. So we should ask ourselves one simple question. Who is the efficient cause in our souls? It's the grace that our Lord gives us by being in union with him. It's the supernatural grace that we must have to be any use to God. So if we only spend 15 minutes, 30 minutes of our spare time in prayer and the rest of it going out and doing good works or uh, whatever else we're, 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 up, we're doing, uh, we can probably conclude that we're probably spinning our wheels. Um, if we're spending our weekends uh, doing fundraising events, and again, I have to repeat myself that these things are not all bad, but if we are not, first of all, basing it in prayer and have our foundation as prayer and meditation, then again, you're probably spinning your wheels. When you're attached to Christ intimately through prayer, through meditation, only then will he actually give you external works and make them fruitful. Uh, Father Murphy, who uh, was of the Friars of the Immaculate, said in one of his talks, a very true and telling statement about each one of us that we should all focus on. And this is what he had to say. I thought it was very profound. He says, quote, The battleground that each one of us will face, where you and I will be defeated 
or attain the glory of a conquering hero is your own heart. Always and everywhere, whether you're living like a Carthusian, locked in a little cell somewhere, or unloading a van in the middle of Piccadilly Circus. End quote. I think that's a very, very profound statement that he makes that really our first, uh, our first thing that, thing that we must overcome first is our own heart. And, and so that is what the interior life cultivates is a heart for God. Now, those who have this malady that I discussed of in the first talk, the heresy of good works, they usually focus on everything going on around them rather than their own souls and what they must do to live an authentic interior life. Again, one should not make the mistake that this is to mean that we put our heads in the sand when something is required of us to speak out against an evil. Um, but we must realize that we should not go on witch hunts or, uh, you know, believing that we're the only voices crying in the wilderness uh, as if we are called to be the new John the Baptist. Not all of us are called to do that. And I think uh, as, as Catholic men, uh, and, and even women as well, but as Catholic men, I think we become kind of focused on this warrior-like uh, uh, mentality, and that's not all bad, but we kind of want to fix things. And in order to fix things, we like to actually do something that's not prayer, okay? So we kind of think of, we're going to go out and we're going to do this, or we're going to launch this blog, or we're going to go out into the public square and do this, and we're going to do that. But really, and God makes certainly call us, some of us, to do that, but if we are not cultivating our heart in prayer and meditation and we're running out kind of doing these things on a whim, again, we're, we're wasting our time. We're wasting God's time. We're not doing God's will. So this first, first of all, we must be a man, men or women of prayer. We must be making reparation, doing penance, and avoiding sin in our own lives. We must purge out sin so that we're always in a state of grace. This is the first priority. If we look back to the question that Pope Pius X asked, what was the reaction of the priests at that time uh, to build this ap apostolic group of laymen? In other words, Pope Pius X asked the question, he got these priests to respond, but there were priests that actually listened to what Pope Pius X had asked them, and they responded to his suggestion to come up with a plan uh, to build a group of laity in their parishes. The first angle of attack was to help, the, help foster the interior life of their flock. And these priests even set out limits for, for the students or parishioners um, to limit their contact with, with people externally uh, until such a time when they had developed a solid interior life. So they actually gave spiritual guidance to the, the parishioners and said, you're not ready for these certain things. And first, we must cultivate and develop a solid interior life, and that will prepare us. So traditional Catholic teaching does not put the cart before the horse. Teaching on the purgative life, proper moral theology, proper receiving of the sacraments, fervent private prayer and devotion, these were all a large part of the focus of these priests, that they would cultivate these things amongst the parishioners. This was that they could actually build an army of, of Catholic shock troops, as it were. It was understood they must first, however, be formed properly. No country's army would ever send their troops out into battle, okay, without first training them in combat. The same is essential for the Catholic. One must not go uh, bantering about in external works until they're prepared to, to do these works. So 
for the sake of this talk, we cannot cover every area here that these priests were talking about, so I'm only going to focus on a couple, of course, the first being prayer. So the question, of course, people would ask is, so how, when, and what should we pray? What is the most effective way to develop an interior life? This is kind of my opinion, but it's based on reading traditional Catholic sources, traditional Dominican uh, spiritual books and things like that. I'm not a big fan of a lot of the of the newer books because I think a lot of them are misguided and they're not rooted in a true Catholic um, a true Catholic spirit. Um, this means, first of all, that we go to confession regularly and be without moral sin on our souls. It also means that we should have a repugnance for venial sin, and this is something that that we grow in, in as we grow spiritually. We start to have this. Uh, repugnance for venial sin. At first, we just try to purge ourselves of the mortal sins. Sin is indeed the worst thing in our lives since it separates us from God. Now, one of the great books to read is St. Catherine of Siena's The Dialogue. And when I first converted to Catholicism, I tried to read it and I, it didn't click with me. And it's only, it's taken me many years to where now I, I, I've read it and it really is very um, profound in, in the way it speaks to you at certain times as God prepares you. But in the dialogue, God the Father tells St. Catherine of Siena, quote, there is no sin which does not touch others. Okay, end quote. So if we are continually living in a life of sin, or we're in and out of mortal sin all the time, or we're not spending time in prayer trying to overcome these, these sins in our lives, then our first priority is, is to start living in a state of grace. So we have to, we have to, you know, if we're in that situation, then we have to purge ourselves of these these big sins, whatever they may be. Uh, any works that we we try to do, if we're spending our time in a state of serious sin, it means that those exterior works are going to be really worthless. So we need to purge ourselves. Uh, now, I'm not saying that you should not step foot outside your house until you're perfect. But if you're spending more time, for example, doing social justice, then you are praying to overcome serious sins in your life, then you have your priorities backwards. So how then should we pray? Uh, as often as for as long as we can without neglecting our daily duties as fathers, mothers, and students. So we are called to live a certain life. Some of us are single. Some of us are married. Some of us, you know, we have jobs or, or maybe we, we homeschool, uh, but Whatever time that we have, that, that we obviously have to dedicate time to our, our duties, but we also have to have time to pray. This is certainly easier said than done, uh, obviously, but this is something we have to make an effort to do. Just as if we would make an effort to do any other uh, particular works, um, we have to actually make this a priority. If we don't make it a priority, then we're not going to do it. So most of us, you know, we work all day at the office. Uh, the mothers spend all day trying to homeschool kids and run a household. And then whenever, you know, we get a chance to take a breather, we want to do things that we like to do for leisure or relaxation. And those things aren't all bad. We can have leisurely things and relaxation that are good. And, and God gives us those things as well. But for many of us, prayer is a chore. You know, you have to get your rosary in and, 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 and you, you try to get your prayers in before bed. So, what is the plan to motivate us to pray, and what prayers should we start with? Well, I would recommend starting with the rosary. And Our Lady told us to repeat, or repeatedly, to say at least five decades of the rosary daily. That's what she keeps asking us to do. 
this is not really an option in, 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 my, in my eyes. It's really something that we have to do. We have to pray the rosary every day. Uh, this has been very difficult myself to maintain. And it's only really over the last six months or so that I've really been able to cultivate this love for the rosary and be able to pray, um, be able to pray the rosary daily. And, and usually I try to get in at least uh, five decades, if not 10 or 15 decades. So um, this is really important to do. St. Dominic has helped me immensely in, in keeping the daily rosary. And I've over the years, really over the past couple of years, have developed a great love for St. Dominic. But how important is praying the rosary? So I'll give you a couple examples. At Fatima, Our Lady referred to herself as Our Lady of the Rosary. Pope Pius IX said, Give me an army saying the rosary and I will conquer the world. Now, hopefully you're familiar with the Battle of Lepanto in 1571. And this was a great victory for the Holy League against the attacking Muslim uh, fleet. And we, we usually see this as just a grand military victory where brave Catholic soldiers uh, defeated the scourge of Islam on the high seas. And this is certainly true, but most of us miss the important fact that they really only won because Pope Pius V had thousands praying the rosary for a victory. The Christians were greatly outnumbered. And if this had not been done, the Holy League would have been at the bottom of the sea, for sure. There is no way they would have won with their own efforts alone. So there's another important fact to point out, that there are many more Catholics acting uh, in the spiritual works behind the scenes than there were actually in the battle itself. So here we have the example of many were called to prayer, intense prayer, few were called to physical action. So we're called first to pray and, and have this relationship with Christ, with God, and then God will choose who gets to do the external works. Now, St. Dominic is a great model for our spiritual lives, and he was greatly devoted to Our Lady. And of course, Our Lady gave St. Dominic the rosary in the 12th century. And it was given at a point in history where certain heresies were corrupting society. And Catholics in general had become very lax in their devotions. Now we have arguably an even worse situation today, and Our Lady has been asking the faithful consistently in her more recent apparitions to pray the rosary. So for example, Our Lady of Fatima spoke very explicitly uh, to the children. To, she told them to pray the rosary every day. And here's what Sister Lucia said. She said, quote, The Most Holy Virgin in these last times in which we live has given a new efficacy to the recitation of the Holy Rosary. She has given this efficacy to such an extent that there is no problem, no matter how difficult it is, whether temporal or, above all, spiritual, in the personal life of each one of us, of our families, of the families of the world, or of the religious communities, or even of the life of peoples and nations that cannot be solved by the Rosary. There is no problem, I tell you, no matter how difficult it is, that we cannot resolve by the prayer of the Holy Rosary, end quote. That was Sister Lucia saying that this is, the, this, this is how we can solve our problems. So if we're not praying the Rosary, I think it's, it's, it's apparent that we're not doing what Our Lady and what Our Lord wants us to do. So I just want to emphasize that. 
Likewise, we see the significance of the, the rosary when our, our Lady appeared at Lourdes. If we remember, the Blessed Mother appeared while St. Bernadette uh, was praying the rosary. This makes me uh, think back to what St. Dominic said about the rosary, and it appears to be a sort of prophecy for our times. And here's what St. Dominic said, quote, One day, through the rosary in the scapular, Our Lady will save the world, end quote. So we're now beginning to see where the solutions to our problems really lie. The rosary is more than an optional prayer that Catholics can choose to pray as if it's just another kind of, kind of an item on the prayer buffet. Uh, because there are a lot of other prayers that are very good for us to pray that we as Catholics have. I mean, the Jesus prayer, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me as sinner, is a great prayer. But the rosary is very special because it comes directly from the Mother of God. It's also a scriptural prayer that not only affords us an opportunity to meditate on the gospel, but it contains the greatest words that can come from our lips in the praise of Almighty God and His greatest masterpiece, Our Lady. I want to repeat that. It contains the greatest words that can come from our lips in praise of Almighty God and His greatest masterpiece, Our Lady. We sometimes make light, and I've heard Catholics say this, and, and I used to kind of think this way where we, we would kind of make light of the penance that we would get uh, from going to confession. You know, the priest told us to say five Hail Marys. And we kind of, kind of you know, laugh about that sometimes or, or sometimes, you know, think of that as being kind of a weak penance. And, and perhaps we all deserve a lot more penance than that. But what we really need to look at is what that prayer is and how we say it. And we should not underestimate the praying of the Hail Mary even if it's five of them. Because here's what Our Lady herself has said. She says this, quote, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. No creature has ever said anything that was more pleasing to me, nor will anyone ever be able to find or say anything to me that pleases me more, end quote. That's what Our Lady said, one of her apparitions. So I think if we, if we stop and think about what Our Lady said there, then we, we, we start to see the value of, of the Hail Mary and, of course, the rosary. So after, after learning this, it really changed the way I say the rosary now. If we truly perform our act of penance when we come out of confession and we say the Hail Mary in the form of a sincere prayer, we're truly uttering the words that are most pleasing, pleasing to Our Lady and, of course, our Lord. So... This kind of sheds new light on, on what we're praying when we, when we say a rosary. We're saying something that is very pleasing to God and to Our Lady. Now, I wanted to go over very quickly the, the promises given to those who say the rosary. Um, there are 15 promises, and I'm going to go through, through a few of them here. And, um, and then I, I encourage you just to look it up on the Internet. But the, the first one is, is, whoever shall faithfully serve me by the recitation of the rosary shall receive powerful graces. That's the first thing. Huge. Second one, I promise special protection and the greatest graces to all those who shall recite the rosary. Three, the rosary shall be a powerful armor against hell. It will destroy vice, decrease sin, and defeat heresies. And I'll stop with number four. And again, I encourage you to read the rest of them. It will cause virtue in good works to flourish. It will attain for souls the abundant mercy of God. 
It will withdraw the hearts of the people from the love of the world and its vanities, and it will lift them to desire of eternal things. Oh, that souls would sanctify themselves by this means. And if there's 15 promises altogether, and when you read those, you really begin again to understand how important the rosary is. Now, how can we make more time for the rosary? As the Nike commercial used to say, just do it. Um, if you drive to work, you can turn the radio off, say the rosary in each direction to and from your work. Uh, if you're driving to the grocery store with the kids, try to get everyone to say the rosary. And that's probably a miracle in itself, probably for some people. But uh, instead of watching your favorite TV show, pray the rosary. Um, a final word from the saints on this matter, as if I've not uh, beat the drum enough. Um, Blessed Alan de la Roche said, if you persevere in reciting the rosary, this will be a most probable sign of your eternal salvation. And St. Louis de Montfort said, when the Holy Rosary is said well, it gives Jesus and Mary more glory and is more meritorious than any other prayer. So I want to close with that uh, for this second part of, the, of this series, um, The State of Grace. And then I will come back with part three and we'll delve in a little bit deeper. Um, but for now, I think that hopefully this has given maybe more reason or more urgency uh, for those listening if you're not already doing so, to pray the rosary every day and say it well. And when you say the Hail Mary, just keep in mind that you're saying the words that pleases our, our, our Blessed Mother and our Lord very much. I thank you for listening. May God bless and keep you, and I will talk to you on the next podcast.